It's different because it's based on an objective truth, which is data. Of course, one can argue that everyone thanks for tuning into notes of design to help support our mission spread knowledge we have a very special guest on today's episode let's welcome dr keril benzi who is a data artist speaker and data visualization lecturer presently he is working at akino as a head of research his expertise in software engineering and creative coding have allowed him to design for new method especially dedicated to his passion for data consequently his work has been shown in various museums like art labs swiss national museum newspapers and magazines in across more than 100 websites in 10 languages to name few we have like tekrada co-design physics org wise and digital trend and he was also been a keynote speaker at various occasions like tedx on this episode dr keril had shared wonderful insights on data art and what exactly is data art and how one can create emotions from data we also spoke on the various aspects of data visualization and as it's the first step in data art and how do you choose a form of visualization to further proceed with your data art also focusing on storytelling with data art With that said I have an announcement to be made as you guys have requested for a design publication wherein we can read different stories from designers around the world we have launched another non-profit initiative under the notes of design campaign wherein you can now read hand picked curated stories from designers around the world the link to design war publication is been attached in the show notes hope you guys enjoy this episode and on every friday we release a new episode with a new creative leader around the world to help you understand different topics related to design so don't forget to tune in into notes of design. design on every friday said with that happy designing everyone hi kirill welcome to notes of design it's pleasure hosting you today on our show hi uh, thank you very much for having me it's a great pleasure to be here thank you so much kirill so how was your day going Well here in France it's we are in the post confinement uh, period so people are starting to go out but it's not really uh, i would say back to normal so we have more time for ourselves and to work on projects that we like that's totally correct so kirill if you could give a brief about yourself to our audience out there I'm a Dr. Kirill Benzi. I'm head of research at uh, Equino, which is a tech uh, company in France in Paris, but I'm also uh, and foremost I would say a professional data artist. And uh, if you're wondering what a data artist is, well you come to the right place, I think. Thank you so much, Kirill. So, let's start with your journey into design and if you want to share like how did you came into this visualization and data art and what was your journey and what are your tips to the beginners that you want to suggest okay so i first it's really interesting uh, i think for me so i started making uh, digital art as a teenager even like earlier but i i put this aside as i went uh, following a scientific career i did my phd in data science and i realized that when i wanted to explain what i was working on i was lacking some of the visual aids or tools to uh, like convey uh, to the people asking me uh, you know what are you working on for instance so i realized that okay maybe i should learn more about this very interesting field of data visualization and see if i could use some of these tools to explain scientific stuff and funny thing i realized that i could also push data viz to another field and you know go back to my original passion and merge the two of them together and this is how i really became say a data artist so if you want to start in data art 
I would suggest that you first get more comfortable with data. So you would need at some point to do visual or programming at some point, right? To be able to master changing a data set, downloading it, transforming it into something different, and also learn all the, the software and the tools to make it happen, I would say. So start with the basic data, like really understand the, the tech jargon, the, all the different techniques, the libraries, and, and hopefully you, you get there. Thank you so much, Kirill. So in specific to design, like any general suggestion that you want to give to audience out there, like people who are really young, but are very passionate and creative to get into this field? Yes. So um, to be in, like an artist or a designer, you really need to have um, like a keen sense of like knowing how to basically read like an image or design anything. So what I do actually every day, I spend almost one hour reading I have, you know, a feedly, so I have a feed of, uh, I don't know, 150 different sources. And I spend every day an hour just catching up with, uh, with Twitter, with everything that ha that's happening in this space. DataViz, for instance, uh, the, the DataViz community has a Slack channel and we have 11,000 members now. It's called Data Visualization Society. And you can join here, it's free. And you have like ton of people like sharing tips, explaining their design, critiquing, you know, the different uh, visualization that they did. And I think to me, this is a constant source of first inspiration and also learning opportunities. Thank you so much, Carol. We discussed about data art now. So let's talk on what exactly is data art and how do you create emotions from data? Data art is, um, I, would, it's, I would say it's a new artistic movement, So, which is in the broad category of new media art, if you are familiar with this. And the, why is it different? It's not just a digital art. It's different because it's based on an objective truth which is data. So it's, of course, you, one can argue that is it really object, like data can be manipulated, truncated, so it's not really objective. Okay, I would agree with that. But com compared to like regular art or it's a subjective vision of the artist alone, here you have a grander truth, which is the data set that you are working with, right? So if you talk, for instance, about Wikipedia, then your data set is Wikipedia, so people can edit, you know, you know Wikipedia. And so you cannot really do whatever you want with it. You have to, if you want to be true to the, the data, you have to, you can have abstract visuals, but it has to reflect what's happening somehow in the data. And this is, I think, one of the, the core distinction between data art and, for instance, a generative art, which is also very uh, popular. Generative art using basically the same techniques because you're going to use the, the same algorithms, the same tools, but in generative art, the goal is to create emotions. Uh, it's mostly based out of randomness. So you create algorithms that you know, run forever and they change over time. But there's no um, deeper and there's meaning to the piece. In data art, the cool thing about this is, to me, it's a way to talk about the scientific principles behind them. So you look at the piece, Hopefully you find it aesthetically pleasing because to me, this is the entry point for you to, you know, to get interested in, in the piece. And when you read the description, then you realize that, ah, oh, this is based on a real data set. So maybe I'm going to learn more about the data set itself and the scientific techniques that we have that were used to create uh, this data set. Uh, what, this is like my, it's a quick or long definition of data art, but I think it's interesting to point out how it, it's different from the rest. Thank you, Cyril, for breaking it down and making it so easy for us to understand. So what is your creative process in making this data art? Okay, so 
I would say two things. So it's of course, as it's a design process, so it, it's, it's going to be iterative, right? If you have to go over and over again, this doesn't really change. It's art, right? It, you scrap it again, you try to do it over. But for me, there's two sources of inspiration. Either I want to work on a specific topic, for instance, I don't say global warming or sea level. Okay. So this is a topic. And now I would find, okay, what is the data set that would convey the information that I want to put visually? So this is one approach. The other approach would be you work on the technique itself. For instance, I'm experimenting a lot with uh, generative AI stuff right now. And now once I master the technique, I would say, okay, what could I represent as a message? So now you start from the technique and then you find your way backwards to find like a, a powerful message. And of course, it has to be linked with data. So you have these two approaches, uh, basically. Thank you so much, Kirill. So coming to the data visualization part, as it's the first step in creating data art. So how do you choose to visualize and build a narrative story around the art that you are representing? Uh, as in any data science project, I start to do basic, ugly uh, data viz. But they are really uh, helpful to understand what's happening in the data. So you would start with the regular bar chart, line chart, uh, histograms and things like this. No pie chart though. This is like my tip to you, never use a pie chart. It's really bad. And I'm going to tell you why it's bad because we as human don't have a good perception of angles. So when you do slice and slices in the pie, we have a hard time uh, deciphering with it whether this slice is 42% or 53, it's very difficult to see, right? So please don't use any pie chart unless you do data art. Uh, with, and the cool thing about data art is because the goal is to put forward emotions then you can break the rules, I would say. But going back to your question, so I start with ugly uh, visuals. And uh, to me, when I do data art, the, the, the most important thing is the message. So now I'm going to tailor the visualization to push a message. And the message could be twofold. It could be, uh, you want to talk about the data set, but at the same time, you want to reflect of what it means, for instance, if you work on social media, you make a, a piece out of Twitter information. So what it means for us to be connected like this. And what I like about the data viz in general is that you have a way of seeing complexity, which is the very difficult for our brain to process. If, I, if I'm telling you, can you visualize in your brain right now, 55,000 tweets connected together? It's impossible. Yes. It's impossible. So the idea with data art is that it gives you a snapshot or like a, um, a gut feeling about like a very complex phenomenon. So I gradually start from very low res, ugly visualizations uh, to something uh, which makes sense in and is powerful in terms of a message. So you gradually build up. So how do you put this storytelling factor into the art that you are creating then? So the storytelling can come... Um, so when you do data art, usually the, the, you have a description, it's an art piece. So the storytelling would be either in the piece itself, hopefully in, this is like the emotional part, but I would say that 50% of the work comes from not the, the description. I would say like every artist would say that, right? You don't understand me. I'm like, no, no, it's not like this. It's not like, uh, no one understands me. I'm the artist. No. But in data art, because it's based on a real data set, it's important for the audience to read the description. Otherwise, you can like because it's abstract. You like the colors, you like the shape, but you're missing half of the piece, which is, ah, but this visual that you see is about uh, pedestrian tracking. So I'm giving you examples of things that I did. Yes. And so what does it mean to track people? Why was it useful to do that? It was in a train station and we wanted to make a construction work. And because it's very expensive, 
you need to anonymously track people so that you would understand where to, you know, widen the platform and things like this. So there's a reason why the data exists and it's our job to make it, you know, uh, interesting to people. So the storytelling comes from the data always and and it's written in uh, below, I would say. Thank you so much, Kirill. So Kirill, if you could tell us what are the new trends that are coming in market, which are related with AI and art both together? Uh, yes. So we have this new, I would say, also artistic uh, movement, which is also related to data art. I would say it's a blend between data art and generative art, which is called AI art. So using artificial intelligence, which I don't really like. So I, w- I would say machine learning. Right. Just this is my scientific part talking here, but there's nothing intelligent in what we do. It's just algorithm that we design and it's a machine. But the interesting part for art is that because you model complexity at some point, the machine, uh, you have a hard time tracking what's really happening in the network if you create a neural network. But you know how exactly how you build it. It's just it has so many inputs that it's, it's difficult to keep track. It's like saying... Uh, we, a computer is intelligent. No, it's not. It, it, the, the CPU is doing billions of operations per second. You cannot keep track of every, each one of them, but you understand how it works. So there's nothing intelligent about AI, but it's a great tool for artists uh, because now you can train on a very big data set, for instance, with images, and then you can ask the network to your algorithm to synthesize new images. Uh, and of course, you apply your own style of parameters. So this movement is also called neural art because it's all, most of the stuff is based on neural networks. And you have two main uh, categories here. One is called neurostyle, or the idea is you take, for instance, the image of a, um, a, an artist that you like, and you can stylize your image, right? So you apply the style from a, a texture from one image to your own face, for instance. Uh, Google did this in an app, uh, and also before there was Prisma, the app that, that did it. So this is called neurostyle, and it's like a ton of research going in this direction. And you also have more generative art based on GANs, on generative adversarial networks. So here, basically the idea is you train a network to synthesize, uh, so you have two networks. One generates new images, and the second one tries to check whether the image that you create is fake or true to the original dataset. And if at some point, because you train the network, then the discriminator cannot really tell the difference between the real image and the fake one. So you you... Now you're a great forger and you can synthesize like realistic images. Or And the cool thing about this is that if you train on a thousand different objects or animals, you can start to blend them together. So I can, I can synthesize images saying, okay, give me 40% of cat, 50% of dog, and the 10, 10% of, uh, I don't know, a bottle or anything or a, a keyboard. And then you create some very is like weird shapes. They, they, they kind of look familiar, but at the same time, it's weird for your brain. And it's really interesting to observe how people like react to this and also make data visualizations out of this. Because now you, you are in this uncanny valley, right? Or you don't really know. Okay, it seems very familiar, but because you know all the bits of the, of the piece, but then when you look at it, it doesn't look like anything you know. Exactly. So I think this area is really, really interesting uh, to explore as an artist and also as a way to talk about machine learning, to talk about artificial intelligence, I would say, in, in quotes, so that you understand that it's nothing like a, it's just a machine, but it's a very interesting tool. Thank you so much, Kirill, for explaining us this. And as a part of our conclusion, now I would love to ask you to recommend any of your three favorite reads. Yeah. Uh, so... 
I would for for this uh, pick, I chose uh, two books in database and one book in more I would say general uh, advice for designers. So the first one uh, would be Data Visualization by Andy Kirk, which is like a standard book in the field. And it's gradually, uh, I mean, you have everything you need from the design point of view with the, the foundations, defining the data viz, then um, the workflow that you need to have to create a data viz. Then how do you formulate your uh, brief? How do you talk to stakeholders? Uh, who is to, Who to look for? So this is a really cool book. The second one that I have is called Design for Information and by uh, Isabel uh, uh, Meriers. I'm not really sure how to pronounce her name. Maybe she's French, so it would be Isabel uh, Meriers, but I'm not sure. And it's also very, uh, the two books are really good because you have tons of uh, data viz, also historical data viz back from the 19th century up to now. So it's a cool way to get inspired and to see how the field uh, evolves over time. Plus you have some uh, very cool principles of uh, how the brain perceives information and things like this. So I think this would be a very great ad if you want, to, if you're curious about the field. And the last book would be maybe you, I mean, you designers know it. It's it's called Win Without Pitching by Blair Enns, which is a classic. But it's a it's a manifesto, so it's a very small book. But I think it's really important because it's it tells us that you should not try to uh, you know undercut and lower your your price every time you want to uh, like work for a client and you basically be selective and be a specialist hoping that people will come to you and you are the expert instead of trying to appeal to everyone by doing website logo shoe design uh, like anything it doesn't really work uh, that way because you always some you're going to find someone which is always lower uh, lower price than you and you're not going to be able to leave this book when without pitching is a great uh, i think introduction to just have this mindset and to remember that uh, we do great work and we should be more specialist than generalists thank you so much kirill for sharing your reads and so much of great knowledge with us we would love to host you again on our show thank you very much for interviewing me it was a great pleasure and i would pleasure if you want to come invite me again it would be my my honor Thank you.